There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome in to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show. Questions from the audience live on podcasts from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, alongside Gangster Pete, producer of this award-winning podcast presentation. Uh, today, we take your questions, as we do once a week, every week, and they come via email at tmckernan at InsideSTL.com, and they also come via the TMA fan page on Facebook, and they can cover anything, anything and everything. Um, I'm, 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 I'm waiting for somebody to ask something that I go, wow, you motherfucker, I can't believe you asked that, but nobody's doing it. So I want that. Now, I probably won't be able to answer it. I might be apt to answer it, but I probably won't be able to answer it. But that's what I'm waiting for. So I guess I'm throwing down the challenge, which is probably going to regret doing. But listen, this is this is a free-for-all. This is, this is different than the radio. Uh, it's just me and the microphone, and, uh, and I can, can talk about whatever. It's, it's my own little world. So uh, whatever you want to ask, fire away. But the thing's popular enough that we've been doing it now. I don't know how long we've been doing it. I guess it's probably about 10 months because I feel like we started two months after we started the podcast. So for those of you just becoming familiar with the Tim McKernan show, it's great that that's happening. Clearly based on the downloads increasing, it's spreading uh, as far as uh, people starting to listen to it. We do interviews, new interviews every Sunday night. Um, you know, recent interviews, Bill DeWitt of the Cardinals. Um, uh, we had uh, this week is Alderman Scott Ogilvie on the St. Louis City and County Divide. Uh, he would like to see the two merge. Uh, next week, we have uh, the newly elect prosecuting attorney for St. Louis County, Wes Bell's coming in. Uh, and I haven't seen or heard him do a long-form interview yet. Now, it's not to say that he hasn't, but his upset win over Bob McCullough, uh, certainly a signature moment of stunning development in St. Louis area politics. And I'm looking forward to talking with him. Uh, so that's coming up as well. Art Holiday, who's been in St. Louis news, I think longer than anybody currently going right now in, uh, so all of that, uh, in addition to, we've had all kinds of, uh, blues representation. We had Joey Vitale and Chris Kerber, the blues tandem. Um, and, uh, it's, you know, I'm very pleased with, how can I not be with the caliber of guests we've had as far as interviews go. And if you have anybody to suggest, We'd like it to be within the realm of reason anytime I put this out there. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. I uh, have some new stuff that's going to be going on um, as well as uh, Dan McLaughlin and I are going to be working on a variety of uh, projects together over the course of the baseball offseason, doing some events, including blues games, spring training, and uh, a live from the Improv Shop Q&A, so you'll want to stay tuned for that. He's got his own podcast, Scoops with Danny Mack. I've got my little thing and my little thing news on Sunday nights, and you can listen to them anytime you want. Go back and listen. There's some really good stuff in there, and it's not because of me. It's because of the guests. The questions from the audience, which comes out every Wednesday, and then the Pick 6 podcast in an absolutely stunning development 
Uh, Joe went five and one. G Unit went four and two, and I went five and one. And so uh, maybe we have caught fire. I still don't believe it. But either way, everybody had a good week last week with a combined fourteen and four uh, record. So pick six comes out every Thursday for your college football and NFL wagering fun and games. But today is a question from the audience day, and it's from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Ryan Kelly has been with us since we started the podcast more than a year ago, having no idea what we were doing, and we have added and subtracted as we've gone along. But Ryan Kelly has been there through it all, and I can vouch for Ryan Kelly and everything he does because I know Ryan, and I know my family has done business with Ryan, and I know my friends have done business with Ryan, and I know... They speak volumes about the quality of their experience, saving money and also quality customer service. If you're going to buy a home, if you're going to refinance a home, it's online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly, online at thehomeloanexpert.com, the studio sponsors of the Tim McKernan Show uh, here on the Inside STL Podcast Network. Uh, Sorry, I'm sending a text right now. all right, just trying to answer a question, my brother. The Improv Shop. Uh, we're planning on doing that on November 12th. I guess I should say it, but we're just waiting on a couple of things. Um, but it'll be Dan McLaughlin and I doing a Q&A, and that'll be on, is that November 12th, Gangster Pete? It's a Monday, November 12th, right? Uh, and then we're doing a uh, hockey night with uh, Dan McLaughlin and me on the night of the Blues and Predators game uh, in a penthouse suite. And uh, that'll include all your food and drinks for 90 minutes before the game. And then until the end, those will be available uh, coming up. And then a spring training trip me and Dan are doing as well. And then Dan and I are going to do a hot stove league show on Facebook and Twitter uh, once a week. And then twice a week once spring training starts up. It's a whole thing. Um, So for those of you listening to the podcast, you get a little peek behind the scenes. Got to give you something for uh, for free here when you when you tune in and you're rewarded with a little inside baseball that we have not made public just yet, but we've been working on Dan and I've been working on here for a few weeks. We just want to make sure every detail is finalized before we, we uh, release it. But there it all is, and I uh, hope you join us for those events as many as you can possibly uh, turn to. So anyway, uh, let's get to the questions. Uh, God, do I want to start with this one because then it could uh, it could turn into a whole thing. Um, Stingray's texting me, uh, I got to respond to him. Uh, he's asking me if he can tell me his idea for the rant. This is like a Mike Francesa show where I'm answering texts on the air, but I want to try and take care of it so I can be focused in. Uh, Tim, I just listened to this week's, which was last week's QFTA and I enjoyed it as always. I usually feel like you do a wonderful job playing devil's advocate and hitting both sides perspective regarding political things, but I wanted to pass along one thought that I didn't hear presented regarding the Trump 60 Minutes interview. When comparing to the Obama interview on Fox News, I think it's easy to say both guys were interrupted far too many times, and it's just the other side politicizing their enemy and controlling the interview. I guess where I see a pretty significant difference here is that to me, the average person sees Fox News as a clearly biased news source, just like CNN or MSNBC, 60 Minutes, on the other hand, just my opinion, is supposed to be and pretends to be a fairly neutral news source. I think the frustration across the Republican voter base comes not so much from CNN or MSNBC, although that is certainly part of it, but more so from these neutral news sources leaning so far left. Clearly, many of them are not neutral, but most people perceive them having been so for a long time. I'd be curious to 
hear your thoughts. Um, okay, so I'm going to try to keep my eye on the ball in answering this because I can speak to my experience in journalism school, and this isn't, uh, this isn't you know, just like, and I, say, I don't say this at all from a boastful perspective because, if anything, I think if you ask me or Doug Vaughn or uh, anybody who, like, went to the, not anybody, but a lot of people went to the journalism school, I think we'd probably like to have that one back, so to speak, um, in the sense that, you know, seeing what we do now for a living, I'm not really sure how much training would be required. Um, but with that said, the Missouri Journalism School for that particular field or this particular field is, is, is considered, and I would also say, from my experience, phenomenal. Um, it's just the business itself, you know, uh, is, is not. So that's why we are self-deprecating about it. But uh, at the University of Missouri Journalism School, uh, Northwestern, I know, considered in the same category along with Syracuse, and I don't know if others have emerged since then, um, and I'm not leaving anybody out. It's just not something I keep tabs on. All I can speak to is the late 1990s when I was there, and it was Syracuse, Missouri, and Northwestern. I digress. In our class, in the broadcasting sequence, there were, I believe, about 50 people. Now, this is the class of 1998, of which I am still eight hours shy of being a graduating member, and I'm just not sure that's ever going to happen. Um, so of the 50 people in the broadcasting sequence, I would say that if there were more than, for certain, if there were more than 10 from Missouri, I would be surprised, and I think I could go more than five. Gabe DeArmond, who you may know from PowerMizzou.com, myself, uh, and then Nichelle Turner, who is now an anchor on Entertainment Tonight, and I believe she went to either Hickman or Rockbridge in Columbia. And I might be missing one or two others. And, and again, when I miss people, it's not like a way to slight them. I just don't remember. But it's been 20 years at this point. Um, but my point is, is that because credited and uh, in, in revered in journalism, uh, that people would come not only from all over the country, which is why there were only a handful of us from the state of Missouri, despite Missouri's enrollment at the time being heavily in state, not in the journalism school. Also, uh, there, were, there were a number of students in the class, and not by any means like 50%, but a, a healthy number, as I recall, who were from uh, either Asia or Europe. And this was the place they would go. Oftentimes, I think they were master students. Um, so I do remember uh, in the late 1990s, you have Bill Clinton in office, and I do remember not really being conscious of politics at all. And by that, I mean just not, not really just paying attention to it at all, really feeling like there was a, uh, I don't know what the right word would be. Tinge seems too light, but presence would be too strong. But I had an awareness that there was an element in the journalism school of, of what would be considered a liberal mindset. Now this certainly wouldn't be everybody. Um, I was neither here nor there. Uh, I, I, I didn't know it. I didn't know what the hell I was doing when I, the first time I could vote, I was 18 month or 18 years and in, in a month old in the November 96 election. And I voted for Bob Dole. And I think that was just cause I remember hearing my parents were Catholic, uh, bitching about Bill Clinton, you know? So I just, Oh, of course. And I've got to do it. You know, which I think a lot of way that people's p politics are formed is what their parents think. Um, so anyway, but I'm just not locked in. I, I had a clue, you know? So 
Anyway, I remember I remember being aware of that. And and so I do think when people present that, if you have at the incubation stage, so to speak, of a journalist's career, that influence, that it is relevant. I do think that's relevant. And I would have told you this 10 years ago as well. The other side of it, though, and I'm not, and by the way, when, when the emailer's name is Ben, I don't, I never, he just writes Ben, so I'm not going to use his last name. Uh, I never know if people want me to use their names or not. Um, says that I, uh, let's see, I do a wonderful job playing devil's advocate and hitting both sides' perspective regarding political things. I want to be clear, when it comes to these discussions, I don't sit here with the mindset that I have to give both sides. What I do try to do is attempt to see both sides, and then if I think both sides have validity, then I'm on board. Um, and not necessarily with both sides, but I'll explain it and I'll say, yeah, you know, you can sit here, like I said, for example, um, you know, while I'm certain my portfolio, uh, which of course is strong to quite strong has increased from a percentage standpoint since Donald Trump has been in office. Personally, that isn't the most important thing to me. Now, some people go, what do you mean? That's not the most important thing. Or there are people who voted for Donald Trump who simply wanted to see conservative justices on the Supreme court. For me, that's neither here nor there, but I know that's important to them. Everybody has their own thing, which is important to them. And unfortunately, I feel like, and it's been about 20 years, coincidentally, when I was uh, leaving Columbia and going into my first television job, that's when I feel like some people cite like the mid-90s in the Monica Lewinsky scandal. Some cite Newt Gingrich uh, as the Speaker of the House. But either way, that kind of being the beginning, uh, I... You know, it depends on where you want to say that the polarization took place, but I, I certainly cite the 90s. But then at the same time, as I just stated, I wasn't like really locked in on it. But either way, I feel like a lot of people's perspective on voting comes from the self-fulfilling media they seek to validate their voting beliefs. So if one is liberal, he or she will seek out CNN or MSNBC. And if one is conservative, he or she will seek out Fox News uh, or pick whatever other blog or website or Twitter account to then like or retweet and, and then try to show to somebody, see, I, I know what's going on, you don't. And it's really, it really truly, I stopped following the news organizations, um, I guess about eight to 10 months ago. And it's just, from my mind, it's just a lot cleaner. It's just a lot healthier. Um, for me, again, per, I'm not advocating it for people. I'm just telling you what I've done. But my premise on the both sides thing is I don't feel an obligation to give, because I don't know what, I don't know what both sides are. I do know, in my opinion, as I said last week, which I believe Ben is making reference to, that whereas I did not vote for Donald Trump, and I was not by any means an enthusiastic Hillary Clinton voter, um, I mean, from my standpoint, without question, I don't even know what would be in second place, actually. Uh, maybe 2004's election? Uh, since I've been able to vote, 1996, the worst two choices for president from the major political parties, which I guess will inevitably lead to to hate emails, and that's fine. I'll you know I'll take them, but that's that's my standpoint, and and you're certainly welcome to yours. Um, that that I will not be voting for Donald Trump in 2020 if he were to run. Um, but I said last week, and I will say again, that I feel like those who would like to see Donald Trump out of office really do themselves a disservice by labeling 
those, and this of course is not everybody doing this or everybody receiving this label, but labeling those who voted for Donald Trump is either stupid or bigoted. Now you may feel that way. You may feel that way. But if the goal is to actually have a strategy, be analytical, and win an election, which means get people over on your side's uh, candidate, I don't think you do that by calling the other side stupid or bigoted. Um, And I feel like that as opposed to uh, focusing on what can be done, it's more of a focus on those who voted for him or him. And, And from my standpoint, that does not necessarily energize a group of people to vote for a Democrat so much as your hope is that they dislike the Republican or the person in the White House so much that they will vote for the Democrat because they are anti-Republican. And I just don't think that's a great strategy. If that is considered to be presenting both sides, so be it. But I assure you, it's not my attempt uh, to placate Republicans and or Democrats. It's just how I see things. And I also think uh, that monitoring people's tweets and or Facebook posts so as to try and play a role to smoke out of their holes, to use a George W. Bush phrase from the early 2000s, uh, racist or sexist um, or take your pick of whatever other thing that somebody could tweet that could destroy their career hinders discourse. And I'm not talking about the shit you see on cable news uh, where people are screaming at each other from different viewpoints. I'm talking about people going, you know, I wonder about this. And the next thing you know, oh, my God, you're a racist. or Oh, my God, you're a sexist or whatever the case might be. And so people are scared to talk. And if people are scared to talk, then you can't have conversation. If you can't have conversation, then you can't really get to the issue. So I find that to be a really concerning element of the whole discussion. I also find, and it'll get to Ben's question here, the element of the bubble leading to speaking something that one could believe to be true, and then you're talking to somebody who's in the bubble. And the bubble, I mean, it could be the blue bubble, liberal, the red bubble, conservative, and and they look at you like you have two heads, and you're going, well, I'm you know, I'm, I'm citing this report, but because they've been told that report is fake, uh, then they like come after you. And so, and this, this, this is, this is not, again, it's not trying to play to both sides. I just see it with both sides. And I think it's super unhealthy. I also don't have a solution. So this is just, you know, essentially observing from the journalism school to current day to try to answer the question. The, the premise of the question, which is Fox, this is Ben. These are Ben's words. Fox News is seen as a clearly biased news source, just like CNN or MSNBC. 60 Minutes, on the other hand, just my opinion, is supposed to be and pretends to be a fairly neutral news source. Now, I think it's good, even though it might be obvious that you acknowledge that these are your opinions. And I always am careful. This is like when when my wife and I will get in an argument and I, I handle it, even though I have absolutely no legal background whatsoever, but I handle it using my memory like a, like a case. And I'm going, okay, well, if you're building off of a premise that is a supposition that essentially is a hypothesis, but it is not accurate, then the foundation of the hypothesis is weak. 
um, which, as you can imagine, doesn't really play well in an argument in a household. Understandably so. I sound like, uh, you know, some kind of you know robot. But Ben's email, respectfully, I say this, is playing off of your own, Ben, supposition that 60 Minutes is supposed to be and pretends to be, which using the word pretends has a negative connotation, a fairly, which is a very arbitrary, vague word, neutral news source. Um, so I think, and I could be wrong on this because I've seen it from a number of people who I kind of, before an issue pops up, I know who on the TMA fan page is going to post what, and where they're going to come down. Um, it's clockwork and, uh, gangster Pete, you're nodding. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, and so it's kind of like, it's kind of like, that's, that's one of the reasons why I don't necessarily like to talk politics on TMA, which was discussed last week, which is where I think this, this question comes from because I kind of already know what the talking points are going to be. And it's like, okay, I'm going to argue with essentially what Sean Hannity said last night. And I'm not really interested in that. I'm interested in what you think and what the people think, um, you know, and your reasoning for it. But I also know people are careful to what to say, because if they say the wrong thing, even though their hearts may be pure, they could lose their jobs. And that is where we are. And I think that's dangerous. So with that said, with regard to the 60 Minutes interview specifically, as opposed to Bill O'Reilly and Barack Obama on Fox News, and I guess by definition it was not on Fox News, it was on Fox going into the Super Bowl, um, Leslie Stahl's premise in that interview with President Trump was that she would continue to ask the question and then he would filibuster. Now, I think using the word filibuster has a negative connotation, just like saying 60 Minutes pretends to be a fairly neutral news source. And, and you might be going, dude, you dig so far into the weeds on this shit that, you know, you're losing me. Um, and that's fine. But I, I you know, I mean, this, like I said, this is my little world here. And so I'm going to explain to you my thought process. I don't think she does her a service by calling it a filibuster. I think she would do herself a service by saying I asked the question four times and each time the answer did not answer the question that I specifically asked. And I was only given X amount of minutes, as I'm sure was the case, I would imagine, no pun intended, she was given 60 minutes. Uh, and if you only have that time and you want to get to, and maybe it was 30 minutes, you know, you have, to, you have the president here. He doesn't have three hours to sit around. Uh, and I'm sure somebody inserted a joke right there, but I'm, I'm being sincere that, uh, you know, he's on a schedule that you can't, you know, you're going, okay, I got 10 minutes left and I've got six other things I want to ask. I got it you know, I got to try and keep them on course. And I believe that's the reason for the interruptions. I believe here's the place where I won't play both sides. I believe the Bill O'Reilly interview with Barack Obama was different than the Leslie Stahl interview with Donald Trump because Bill O'Reilly to me in that interview, and this is before any of the stuff that, you know, he says is alleged took place with him at Fox news regarding sexual harassment. So it has nothing to do with that viewpoint. I thought this in the moment he came off as condescending. I don't feel like Leslie Stahl came off as condescending. Now, People who are fans of Donald Trump's might disagree. I felt like it, the interview came off as disjointed because she was interrupting, but I don't think it was condescending. And if you go back and watch the interview with Bill O'Reilly and Barack Obama that led into the Super Bowl, my view is it was condescending, um, which if Leslie Stahl were condescending to President Trump, I would be in disagreement with that. I believe, and I have been in these spots before, Quinn Snyder would be an example. Uh, I know it's an obscure reference from days gone by with Missouri basketball, but Quinn would say a lot, but he wouldn't necessarily answer the question. And I believe Quinn is a very bright man, and that was his way of trying to not answer the question. 
which I have to say is pretty good strategy. It's just I then would have to follow up because he would talk for six or seven minutes, not answer the question, and then I have to go back to my question. And then sometimes that would irritate him because he felt like he had just answered the question. So, Ben, I, I, I appreciate the email you laid out, and I, I, I like where you're coming from with it. Um, I just I just I personally see it different, uh, differently, I should say. Um, and so, but I do regarding journalism in general. And again, I'm going back 20 years. Uh, I do recall thinking, you know, while I was there in journalism school and this is in Missouri. So I would say it's fair to increase the probability, uh, that you would have more, uh, left wing leaning or left wing views in Chicago and in, uh, New York, Syracuse, New York, New York. Uh, than Missouri. But again, the one thing I would want to emphasize is that, um, you know, 40 of the 50 or 45 of the 50 students at the the broadcast sequence of the University of Missouri Journalism were from out of state. Uh, so it would be more about faculty. And that's certainly in play. And like I said, if that's the incubator of your views at a time where you're quite influenced, that, that childhood period, high school and college, then there's something to be said for that. I, so I do think that I do think that is valid regarding the current mainstream media and the perception that they are way on the left. Um, they may be um, Democratic voters or left leaning. I wouldn't dispute that at the same time. I have they, they also may be right wing voters or Republican uh, voters. What I would say, and I feel like is kind of lost if we're going to try to do apples to apples, as is never, uh, and I, I think I think I can use the word never, which I'm careful with, has a press corps had a more adversarial relationship with a president, and having and, and it's one thing to be adversarial, uh, and I think a lot of people who covered Barack Obama would tell you that wasn't uh, the easiest time not because he was like mean spirited and or attacking the press, uh, but because he just was difficult and mercurial in a sort uh, way to, to cover. Uh, so, uh, and now I, I was reading, uh, this week in an article about Hillary Clinton now calling members of the press and apologizing for the way that she handled the press. Um, and how it's kind of a weird spot for the democratic party because they kind of want her to go away. But then at the same time, uh, she received more votes in a presidential election than any president uh, or nominee uh, with the except in the history of the country since with the exception of Barack Obama. And then you have this weird spot where do you the person who did receive more votes in the popular vote, but also in general in history with the exception of Barack Obama to be told to go away uh, talking because every time she does an interview, inevitably the 2016 election comes up and then President Trump can say, look, look, Hillary Clinton won't go away. And that ignites a base of voters. So it's a weird, it's a weird spot. Um, but she's calling the press and apologizing for it. I just, you know, it, it's, it's a weird spot because I'm, I'm only limited to my sliver. I mean, like my point zero 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 one percent of getting covered in, you know, with, with the post-dispatch dances or media views column. And even with that, I can tell you how frustrating it is to get up in the morning and read something that you know is factually inaccurate. But if you know, you say it's factually inaccurate, people, Oh, stop bitching. Like, like I'm like defending it, you know, like he doth protest too much. So I can't imagine what it's like 
uh, to be in a spot where you're running for an office, you know, president or otherwise, and read things that you know are untrue and how that would piss you off. Uh, and as I always say regarding a Dan Caesar column, if he wants to rip the show or rip me, that's fine. But I just want the facts to be accurate. Uh, but sometimes, and it's not his fault, I think he gets stuff from people who, you know, might have a vested interest in trying to portray something one way to, to you know, cover for themselves. And I've, I, I, I know firsthand uh, instances in my career where that's happened. And it goes back, my God, I can, the first one I think I can think of is 2007. Uh, 2013, 2017. I mean, they're, they're all over the place, uh, that I can think of. So I get it. Um, and I get people's frustration with it. Um, the thing that I find to be convenient is it works when it, when it works with one's candidate or political party, and then it doesn't work when it does not work for one's candidate or political party. And I feel like if you want to gain credibility, then your principle is ahead of your party or your politician. Ben, thank you so much for the question. I hope that didn't go too far into the weeds, but I tried to give it from the perspective of somebody who uh, not only was in journalism school, but at least at the time, and I think this is still the case, considered to be one of the best journalism schools in the country. And uh, in my firsthand uh, account, which certainly would be limited politically, but you know, I do recall thinking it. I do specifically recall thinking it. Hey, uh, Mark Hanna is the presenting sponsor of uh, our guests every week here on the Tim McKernan Show. And uh, I had a chance to have lunch with Mark uh, just yesterday, as a matter of fact. And we were telling each other stories of, you know, just looking back, because we're like, I think, the exact same age. Uh, And going, my God, how about this, you know, regarding just financial decisions that are so basic, but so damaging. And you don't realize it, and ideally you eventually realize it, and hopefully you realize it when you're still in your 20s. and that's why when I, when I talk about Mark Hanna on the show, I kind of, you know, I have copy points here and that's, 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 that's the, that's the name of the game. And I understand that, but I really want to get the audience's attention and say to you with an amount of sincerity that is, is, is as deep and really from a firsthand perspective as possible, uh, the importance of having a financial advisor and so when I was talking to Mark about it yesterday, he goes, I think sometimes there's a reputation in our industry that people are shady or they're out to tell people they need something that they don't need. And, and honestly, I'm not aware of that, but that's his industry. And so maybe he's more conscious of it than I would be. Like when I talk about sports talk radio and, and, and people go, oh, my God. And I go, yeah, I mean, this is just kind of the way it's, we've lived this for you know more than a decade. We don't think anything of it. Uh, but then you tell somebody who's not on the inside and they go, Oh my God, I can't believe that thing. Oh yeah, that's, that's what's going on. So Mark knows. And, and so then this gives me the chance to say this. I, he's like the most sincere, good hearted person, uh, you could ask for. And, and he's not looking to like, it's not all of a sudden like he meets with you and he gets a grand or something like that. That's not the way that it works. You give him, you give him your information and he enters it in and gives you an idea of where you are, and he organizes it for you. And just by doing that, you see where you are. And I, you know what, maybe another reason why some people don't want to meet with a financial advisor is because they know, it's like going to the doctor and knowing you're sick, but the only way to get healthy is to go to the doctor. And so it's up to you, but I'm telling you, he can get you right. And I'm telling you also that I was one of the people who it wasn't a case of knowing I was sick. I just didn't know any better. And, and like I said, that's the embarrassing part. 
Uh, his name's Mark Hanna. He's at Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Evergreenstl.com is the website. Give him a call for real. Let him know that I sent you his way, sent you uh, his way, and you will be very happy you did. It's just, it's like a lock. It's like if I could, like, give like a $100 guarantee just out of my own pocket, I would. Uh, 314-889-0503. That's the phone number, 314-889-0503, or check him out online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna is his name. All right, let's go to the TMA fan page for our next question from the audience and see what the word is. Uh, let's see what we got here today. Scrolling, scrolling, by the way, just kind of as a brief aside, I was telling gangster Pete this before we started recording the Darius miles. What the hell happened to Darius miles post on, uh, or his article on, uh, on the players tribune is must read. And I think, you know, from listening that I don't just throw around must read just for fun and games. It's must read. It's incredible. And I see that on the fan page being discussed. So just as a little recommended reading, I do that sometimes with TV shows and books. Uh, that would be uh, main time uh, or big time recommended recommended reading. All right, I'm trying to find the questions from the audience thread. And uh, so oh, here we go. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, when you walked in on the two gentlemen going to pound town at the sauna in Las Vegas, did they get extra excited because they saw how handsome you were? That's a wonderful question. Similar to the first question regarding journalism school. Um, for those not aware, uh, had a really, uh, unfortunate incident in, well, I guess 2015 in which, uh, at the hotel at which I stay as a spa, I would work out and then went into, there's a variety of different areas, saunas, steam rooms, uh, cold areas, whatever. Uh, and, um, went in there and, uh, opened the door to one of them. And there were, uh, two gentlemen engaging in what I believe is uh, called mutual masturbation. Uh, not something I was really looking, looking for, uh, saw it, probably saw a half second of it. Uh, didn't see their faces, which is great. Uh, I prefer it that way, but did see what was going on. Uh, now I suppose theoretically they could have just coincidentally been doing that and, 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 and then open their eyes and, and, and go, oh, wow, you're doing it too. But, but, uh, you, you probably put that at about a 0.05% chance. So, uh, I went to the, uh, manager of the, uh, the spa and I said, you know, what was going on? And they said, Oh no, not like, Oh my God. But like, Oh no, not again. So I guess this happens and perhaps I have my head in the sand on this. Um, then I went, there was a different sauna. Um, and then I saw the two guys walk out. They, uh, did not walk out together. And then the thing that I guess makes it worse is that they look like guys who you would go, Oh, those are like fathers, you know? Uh, and, you know, they, they weren't like 23 years old or anything like that. They were probably in their fifties. And I guess they were living their lives on the down low, uh, as either gay or bisexual. And they were finding the outlet of the, uh, spa to, uh, pleasure themselves 
in unison with their uh, compadre across the way in the steam room. But to answer your question, Brian, and God, is it a good one? Uh, I, I, they don't believe they saw me. I didn't see them. I don't believe they saw me. Um, and so I can't answer if they got extra excited when they saw me because I'm so handsome. But I mean, I, you would have to think if they did, they would. You certainly would. Uh, let's see. The Barnhart Brawler, always so philosophical, and I like that. How would one effectively argue with another party who is willing to argue in bad faith and or lie? The goal is not necessarily to change that person's mind, but rather observers of the debate. Uh, That's the Barnhart Brawler. That actually is a really good question. Then he gives me a second option, which is, could I beat up a kangaroo? So you you, kind of start with one level and then you kind of go to another level and say, hey, you know, if you're in the mood for creme brulee, here she is. But if you just want a brownie, we'll give you that as well. Um, I'll, I'll attempt the creme brulee. In my honest answer on the surface is, I don't know. Um, I think it really is at the crux of the issue in American politics right now. I, unlike uh, others, um, do not see it improving anytime soon. I, I really don't. I, I, I legitimately don't. I, you know, and I, in a way I want to bring this up on TMA, I'll bring it up here and maybe you'll email me about it. I see that Stormy Daniels attorney is talking about running for president and it's just kind of like talked about like, yeah, he's just, and I, what the fuck is this? What, you know, and it's not because he's representing a porn star. If anybody's going to be on board with that, it's going to be me. It has nothing to do with that. It's just going, what in the hell are his qualifications? And I realized then what was immediately going to happen, what were Donald Trump's qualifications? I understand that, but just because one does this doesn't mean that, okay, now that's the precedent. And I know some people say, well, you got to do that in order to win. But, you know, from my standpoint, that doesn't necessarily uh, lift things up. Uh, so with, with, with that all said, I think the core issue, uh, you know, and I, and I mentioned on last week's questions from the audience that I was going to have lunch with Senator Jack Danforth, uh, the next day, which was going to be Thursday. And my wife and I did have lunch with Senator Jack Danforth. And I think it's the third time we've done that. And I've gotten to know him as I've made reference to, and, uh, God, I wish, and I don't know. I mean, I I think it's called kind of understood that it's, you know, off the record, um, the vast majority of it, but to talk about, you know, his perspective on, you know, the, the Kavanaugh hearings, considering, you know, his involvement in the Clarence Thomas hearings and just hear firsthand accounts from history. I, I, my honest answer, my honest, if somebody were to go, what was lunch like? I I was was honored. That's what I would say. Uh, honored and kind of like, I can't believe I'm sitting here hearing this. Um, not because of the content of it per se, but that I'm lucky enough to sit here and, and, and be, you know, sitting at this table person who I just have the highest amount of. And I think, and I could be wrong, he had been made aware that I personally uh, am not uh, real high on Josh Hawley, which, by the way, cut you off at the pass, does not mean that I'm real high on Claire McCaskill. Uh, I was just observing what I'm seeing in the ads and observing what I saw in his ads for Attorney General. Um, And I also know that uh, Senator Danforth is a very big fan of Josh Hawley. So for the first time ever, we kind of, I don't know, butting heads would be using it too, uh, too strongly. 
and certainly too flattering to me to even say that he wanted to bother to butt heads with me. But he asked what I thought of him. And I said, I got to be honest with you. I'm just kind of, I'm turned off by a variety of things. Um, I feel like he does one of the things in politics that for me personally, I dislike, uh, which is uh, rally up the religious in particular, always, it's always one religion. It's not religion in general. It's always one religion. So it's not necessarily in defense of religion. It's just one particular religion, um, which I know that Senator Danforth personally is not a fan of, but I know he's a fan of Josh Hawley's. And, uh, and then, um, I, I, you know, this person could be Democrat, Republican. It doesn't matter if somebody says I am conscious of not climbing the political ladder. And, uh, you know, I am here to be your attorney general. And then within a year, he's getting ready to run for Senate, that for me personally is a turnoff. Um, For example, if Mark Montavani, who was saying throughout his campaign for St. Louis County Executive that he only wanted to run for St. Louis County Executive and within a year or two starts talking about running for governor or senator, I would have been beyond turned off. But I believed him that that was not what he was going to do. Um, and I think a number of voters believed Josh Hawley that he was not going to do that. And so some people draw a parallel to Eric Greitens. Um, I don't necessarily do that. I feel like Eric Greitens was a special kind of, and I'm using special, uh, more as a, an antonym here, uh, but a special kind of politician that from my standpoint was, and this is well before the scandal element where I looked at that situation and this is in the primary and I thought, Oh God, this is, this is trouble. And so I was wanting to see him lose that primary so badly, so badly, uh, because I felt like this guy checks all the boxes for the things that gets you elected in 2016 and, and people just won't be able to see the wolf in sheep's clothing. And from my standpoint, it was so obvious. And I know if you go back and listen to, Shows in November 2016, you will hear me say, I think I actually said that the morning after the election, that I'm actually more just horrified by the Missouri gubernatorial uh, than uh, the presidential election. Um, so uh, with regard to Josh Hawley, uh, you know, here I am having a conversation with somebody who did serve in the Senate uh, and um, is a fan of this person and actually played a role, I think, in in getting him to run. Um, and one of the things that we also talked about when we were talking politics is how, if you watch Fox news and I watch CNN or MSNBC, we have two totally different realities. And, and therefore imagine sitting across from somebody, I'll try and, and get it down to the sports analogy. Uh, you're looking at the actual statistics from baseball reference and you're sitting across from somebody who only follows like the bantiest of banty roosters on Twitter, and you're having a discussion about the Cardinals, and you're like providing data, and then the person across from you keeps screaming at you how your data is wrong, and you're going, but this is the this is the data, and they're screaming at you. Do you really want to continue to engage? And and and, and even if the answer to that is yes, I feel it's my obligation to engage. Okay, God bless. Uh, now we probably only have about 3% of the people still on board because I can't imagine many would want to continue to engage in that scenario. But then even if you do, do you think that you're going to be able to change that person's mind? 
And then what winds up happening is it winds up becoming an argument because somebody spelled your Y-O-U-R as opposed to Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. And then, and then it's like, well, your guy did this. Well, your girl did this. And then it's just, and, and, and honestly, I have to tell you, and you might go, oh, I'm disappointed to hear that from you, Tim. You know, uh, like I said earlier in the podcast, I don't follow the news, uh, accounts anymore. I just don't, I'm not in because I see it and I see what's going on. And I made it, I made an an intentional choice, I guess, like a year or two ago to follow Fox news on Instagram. Uh, as an example, I also should say, cause I do mean this. I see it with CNN as well. I, I feel like, by the way, I feel, I feel like CNN has seen Fox news success with its business models is going, fuck it. We see what works. We're going to do it. President Trump is our Barack Obama for them from 2009 through 2017. That's what we're going to do. That's what I think's going on. And I didn't used to think that now, maybe I was wrong, but that's what I feel like's going on. And I would see the way, and they wouldn't necessarily like, it wasn't like lying. It was just like, they'll put these things out there that are like the, the proverbial dog whistle, or they'll not talk about something that like the rest of the world is talking about. And then talk about this to like, and it's like so obvious. And I assume most people see this, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Cause it's like, it's so, it's so ABC poker. And it, and it would drive me up the wall. Not because I'm like, Oh, fuck you. You're wrong. I'd be like, Oh, I, I see what you're doing and I know what's going to happen. It's manipulating people. And I don't want I just don't want to be party to that. So that's why I started unfollowing them. So to answer your question, Barnhart Brawler, um, I don't have, I don't have an answer, which is very unsatisfying. Maybe I should have focused on the kangaroo question, but if, 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 if one person is dealing with one set of facts and or perspective and the other person is dealing with another set of facts, how can you find common ground? I think that, I think that's the core issue. I think that's the core issue for the public. I think for the people who are actually elected and serving, the issue is if they do work with somebody um, across the aisle, it could cost them their job. So I might be simplifying it, but I actually do believe that. I, I do believe it. I, and, I, and I wouldn't have opened myself up regarding you know, the thing that I feel like a lot of people don't do, which is say I could be wrong, but I, I do believe that to be the case. And so the discussions I like to have, like uh, Jack Danforth asked me, he goes, so, I mean, you know, you know what, do you, do you like, you know, talking sports for the hours? I go, honestly, Senator, I, I think we talk sports maybe like a third of the time, maybe. And I said, for me personally, at this point in my life, I am more interested in discussing philosophical questions. Now, those can be sports related, but I personally just don't get worked up about uh, the Blues blowing a two-goal lead twice to the Winnipeg Jets. I did because I had 50 bucks on it, I'll be honest with you. It would have paid 70, uh, and I took the Blues straight up. So in that capacity, I was upset. But as far as like when I was in my 20s, and I know there's still some people in their 50s and 60s and 70s who go on tilt, but for me, that's not where I am. Uh, and and I and therefore, I don't ever want to be disingenuous with the audience and like start screaming about firing somebody just to get people to respond, which I kind of feel like is the playbook. And I don't want to be dishonest. Um, now, if I do think somebody's going to be, should be fired or is going to be fired, but certainly should be, I will say it. Um, but I also feel like it's like the Barry Odom discussion. I feel like there's gotta be a, you know, let's play out the hand kind of thought process on it. Uh, cause right now, as we sit here after beating Memphis, Barry Odom has, uh, an approval rating, I would imagine, that's that's hovering around 50% with the Mizzou fan base. Uh, as simple as beating Kentucky, I think it goes up to above 65%. 
And if they lose to Kentucky, I think it goes below 35%. So you're talking about a third. And again, this is me operating on a supposition. So you're talking about a 30-point delta. And, uh, and, and from my standpoint, that's dumb. You know, I mean, the body of work is nearly three years old. And to isolate it on uh, one game as to the future of a program, to me, is, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I'm sure I could use a better word, but I would say it's dumb. And I'm not saying there are people who are saying this is Barry Odom's Waterloo or this is Barry Odom's last stand and he is delivered. Uh, it's got nothing to do with that. I'm just saying when you're looking at a program, I don't think you ISO in on one game. I do know when a coach wins, like Gary Pinkle beating Kansas in 2007 or number one Oklahoma in 2010, that it can be a defining win and build a program. I'm aware of that. But as far as judging the work, uh, I don't isolate it into one game. Um, so, you know, I like the question because that's the kind of thing that I told the senator that I like to discuss, questions that really don't have answers. But you can kind of go, yeah, what about this? Well, then what about this? And then somebody go, well, yeah, but here. And then you go, yeah, I guess you're right. That's the kind of stuff that I like. But on this one, I kind of feel like there isn't an answer, but the answer is, you have people on opposing sides dealing with two different sets of facts. So then therefore there is not a discussion, which is probably one of the reasons why I don't really care to do it on TMA. I'm more apt to do it in here. Uh, what else do we have here? Oh, let's see. I like this one and I'll make this the final one for the week. The Bob Walt email and call were entertaining this week. I found it interesting that Iggy didn't take the criticism personally, but he quickly defended the Plowboy and Charlie Marlowe. When you hear jokes about your cohorts, you laugh. But do you ever ha uh, take criticism of the other guys personally? Is it hard to have thick skin when it's your friends and not you in the crosshairs? I love that question. I thought it was a really good question. Uh, and that's from, uh, from Brad. Uh... I, and I think it kind of th it's kind of in a way speaks to why the morning after slash morning grind has been able to be on the air for 14 years. Um, but then it also gets into managing and then managing also in a public uh, job, even though it's, you know, in a sliver of the public interest. Uh, but you have to sometimes answer for things that you have nothing to do with. And I remember the first day of this version of KFNS, so you're talking August of 2016, and I addressed the staff, uh, and in title, I was president of the radio station, and I told them, and if I were to ever operate a radio station again or another business and I had a room of people who were working with me, I would say the exact same thing. Internally, we may have differences, but publicly, I will always take the fall for you. I will always do that. In other words, I'm not going to throw somebody under the bus publicly as in my role as, as president of the company, it's, I am the president, it's the Harry S. Truman buck stops here. And therefore I'm going to take the shit. Um, and that's just the way that it's got it. That's, that's, that's the way it's gotta be. You gotta know that inside this room that we may have disagreements. And as a matter of fact, we will have disagreements, but we're going to handle those behind closed doors. And then publicly, if it's something that gets into the public arena, I will take the shit. So to me, that's the way that you handle a situation like that, whether you be a coach, manager, whatever the case might be. Um, it's a tough spot, but from my standpoint, that comes with the territory of the job. And I've heard that there are some, not some people, I've just one 
stood out to me and it got back to me that somebody said, ah, it's kind of irritating to hear Tim not say, you know, that, you know, he's not responsible for this or that anymore with regards to the station. Well, I'm not though. So you might not like that. I'm not, but I'm not. And I really haven't been for almost two years. And so why would I, you know, I mean, you don't hear Matt Carpenter going, well, listen, I know, I know that, that Bud Norris had a rough, rough September, but that's on me. I mean, Matt Carpenter's doing his thing. Bud Norris is doing his. That's, that's not the way that it works. I'm sorry that you might not like some things uh, and that I'm not there to be the person to take responsibility for it because you might have gotten accustomed to that. But why would you do that? It's your job. That's not my job. So when some things were happening that I knew that I had nothing to do with and I knew I was no longer um, operating the radio station, I simply said, yeah, I mean, I understand, but, you know, I'm not operating the radio station. So, you know, here is the person you can contact. And for whatever reason in this particular, and I'm using this as a broad statement when it's only one person. So I want to be clear, this isn't like some, uh, epidemic, but, uh, you know, that's, I'm not, I'm not operating the business, but with regard to criticism of my cohorts, it's, it's kind of like a sixth sense in that if I feel like it's, if this is kind of how I try to navigate it. If I feel like, or if it is clear that someone is passing off something that I know is incorrect as truth, I get involved. I get involved if it has to do with me and I get involved if it has to do with the people with whom I work. And I get involved with it, even if it has to do with like the Cardinals, for example, regarding like the one that I feel like I keep talking about is Marcelo Zuna and Christian Yelich. Like, oh, Mozeliak could have gotten Yelich, but got Ozuna instead. And it's like, well, I understand you're saying that, but here's what actually happened. And then, and then usually they still, they're so banty that it doesn't matter. And, you know, but at least I try. So with the case of like people giving Iggy shit or the Plowhawk shit, um, from my standpoint, almost all of it for real. And there's a lot of it, but almost all of it is done as part of the reindeer games of TMA. Um, but if I see somebody passing something off, even if it's done like completely just kind of harmlessly is, is like a matter of, uh, just like a discussion that, oh yeah, well, I mean, you know, Iggy's in charge of this, uh, or I don't know, t- take your pick of something to do with anything, anything. Then I, then I just simply step in and say, I understand what you're saying, but this is actually what the case is. Um, so with regard to your question, Brad, um, on uh, Iggy defending the Plowboy and Charlie. When I hear jokes about my course, I laugh. Absolutely. Cause, but that's the show. I mean, it's, and it's not just the six people on the show. I mean, Big Al gets told to drink bleach by like, for real, it's got to be around 50 texts, at least within two minutes of his phone call. Daddy Padre gets killed. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's all part of the show. If you're on the show, if you choose to get up on the stage you are exposed to playing in the reindeer games. And if you don't want to be in the reindeer games, do not call in, do not text in, do not email in. That is, that's the way that you can ensure that you'll never be in the reindeer games. Um, but you know, once you do that, it's like, all right, then, then it's fair game. But, but I like to think that it's never malicious. And I think that's why the show has the, the following that it has and that it's also, you know, been on for as long as it's been on because it's understood that it's not malicious, you know? Um, and, and that you're safe if you don't want to get, you know, 
the reindeer games, uh, fun and games attacks. If you don't, if you don't get on the stage, so to speak. So Iggy knows that. And the Plowboy knows that. And even though Buffalo tough has his issue with the Plowboy, it drops and a variety of people have issues with Iggy's stories. Uh, it's not malicious and it's people just giving people shit. It's like, why do you watch roasts? It's like people getting roasted for three hours. So that's essentially what it is. Uh, do I ever take the criticism personally? No. If somebody says something that I know is not true, then I do. If I feel like somebody is like shading my guys, then I would step in, um, you know, and it's a weird thing. To, it's, it's like, you know, when you see it, the Supreme Court definition of that which is absolute, uh, porno, pornographic, um, you know, uh, obscene. So I can't really like convey it verbally, but I've seen it. I've certainly seen it. Like Iggy, what he was talking about with, with people liking certain posts that were shitting on other people. And this had nothing to do with us, but he told that story the other day. Like, that's so just like, you know, I mean, I don't even need to give you an adjective. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I, and you see it, you're just like, yeah, I mean, you know, you and I both know the truth. Uh, it's, it's that kind of stuff. Is it hard to have thick skin when it's your friends and not you in the crosshairs? Uh, I don't think it's hard to have thick skin because I think that, um, I, I, you know, I mean, I, I have read either flat out things that were not true about me and or my business um, or just personal attacks and, you know, Dan sees your call and he'll be like, he'll be like salivating because he wants, he'll read it to me and I go, I just want to give you a chance to respond. I'll go, oh, thanks, Dan. Uh, everybody here on our show is focused on KFNS and continuing to, to grow our business. And he'll go, that's it. That's it. And I'm like, oh, and I'm just like, yeah, that's how we're going to, that's how we're going to play the game. Uh, and I get it. He wants more, but you know, I mean, what's my upside in engaging now, if somebody has an audience, somebody actually has an audience. Uh, then that's a different program. As I've said before, if Howard Stern, for whatever reason, picked on our show, as heartbroken as I would be since I'm a Stern lemming, um, I mean, my God, that'd be the greatest thing ever for our show. But, uh, you know, if it's somebody without an audience, why would you engage uh, and then give them the benefit of getting our audience to pay attention to them? So, I mean, it's kind of an easy analytic. It's nothing wizard-like. It's just kind of basic shit. Um, but regarding when it's my friends in the crosshairs, see, I don't feel like my friends are in the crosshairs and, and, and I'm not saying that your premise is off. I just might be missing it. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like anybody on the show is in the crosshairs. I feel, cause I view it as harmless and fun. You know, like if, if, like if Iggy were to say to me, listen, I know we're just having fun, but the stuff regarding Lady Gaga is really gotten to me. I'd be like, all right, guys, you know, we can't do the Lady Gaga stuff anymore. And that'd be, that'd be the end of it. Um, but, I mean, with damn near the exception of, n I mean, nothing, it's a it, damn near everything is fair game on the show. But if somebody did off air say, hey, you know, that puts me in a bad spot or please don't bring that up, it ends. But, I mean, for real, 14 years, that conversation has not taken place much, uh, if at all. Uh, so there it all is. Questions from the audience. I hope that was enlightening. Uh, I look forward to your emails and response. Maybe I said something that upset you. Maybe I said something you agreed with. Email me, tmckernan at insidestl.com. Thank you to Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, and James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. And how about this? Today is the first day I can say this, but I'm very happy to be able to say this because James Carlton's customer service 
is so good that I have made the switch to James Carlton. And I am saying this, and James can confirm, swear under oath, whatever the case might be. James kept saying, I don't want you to switch to me because it can be awkward for the person that you're currently with. And then they think I was soliciting your business. And so I don't know how many times he said that over the last year. Uh, and then I was with uh, one of his friends and we were all out in Las Vegas about a month ago. And I said, how about James? I said, he doesn't want my business. Not because he doesn't want my business, because he doesn't want it to come off the wrong way. And I, he goes, that's exactly what happened with me. And I go, isn't that amazing? That just shows the kind of person he is. Now, that's not the reason for you to start working with James Carlton at carltoninsurance.net or 314-961-4800. It should speak to the quality person you're with, but you want to save money. And this morning on TMA, somebody texted in and said, you know, I just switched to James Carlton. Now I'm saving $167 on my insurance. Um, so you're getting incredible customer service. That's why I'm switching. I would actually pay more. Not that that's going to happen, but I would actually pay more because of the quality of customer service. And to know, like, if anything ever pops up, I can just, like, call or email James and get an answer. But also, uh, he's going to save you money. So why not? 314-961-4800. Go online at carltoninsurance.net. Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. James Carlton, carltoninsurance.net. Tom Schmidt and everybody at Salt and Smoke for catering your parties. Go online at saltandsmokestl.com. Seth Goldcamp and Design Air Heating and Cooling and Johnny Landoff Chevrolet at I-270 and the Washington Elizabeth Exit online 24-7 at landoff.com. That's what it's all about. Those are the sponsors. Support the sponsors. They make the podcast possible. For Gangster Pete, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.